respect to the people of the Woi Wurrung and Bun Wurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations on whose unceded lands the SIN office and studios stand. SIN Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. SIN Media also acknowledges the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which SIN partner organisations stand. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. David Simmons, the Director of Transport, Accessibility and Inclusion at the Australian Department of Transport. He's a passionate crusader for accessibility and inclusion across Victoria's public transport network. One of David's goals is to inspire others to achieve. He was born with a genetic condition of the eyes called retinitis pigmentosa. David lost his functional vision by his mid to late 20s. After his diagnosis at the age of 15, David has made it his mission to live life to the fullest and to be all he can be. Prior to joining PTV, David was employed by Guide Dogs Victoria as a business development and advocacy manager. In his time at Guide Dogs Victoria, David spent much of his time advocating for clients who had been encountered discrimination or difficulty accessing various paths by community, including public transport. It was through David's work in this area that he became well known across public transport sector in the field of accessibility. In his current role with the Department of Transport, David feels he could ideally be positioned to help the Department of Transport provide a more accessible and inclusive public transport by all for ensuring accessibility. Hello, David Simmons, and welcome to Raise the Platform. And you are from the Department of Transport and are running an exciting new program to make public transport in Victoria more accessible to disabled people. That's right, Mimi, and uh, it's lovely to be with you today. Well, thank you very much. And so tell us about this new program and what this amazing new program will offer people who are disabled. And as a table person, I take public transport as my primary transport um, Mm -hmm. method. I um, have a lot of trouble with driving. I don't really enjoy it, and I try to avoid it where I can. So to me, public transport is freedom, and it is for a lot of disabled people. I know people who, people who are blind and people who are mobility impaired have a lot of issues with driving or just cannot access driving. So public transport to them is often their only method of transport around. And I think that's why it's so important to make public transport the most accessible form of transport we have in Melbourne because it is literally, to some people, they're, they're, they wouldn't be able to move if they didn't have public transport. Yes, I totally agree, Emmy, and um, I, I'm hearing you in terms of uh, finding driving difficult. Um, I lost my sight um, in my mid to late 20s, um, and uh, so I also find it quite difficult to drive now. I'd love to be able to drive. I was someone who grew up loving cars and motorbikes, and so to have to hang up the car keys or the motorbike keys, that absolutely killed me. But um, fortunately, I do get to do it once a year, still at uh, Sandown Racetrack, Warrandyte Lions Club, I run a, a special um, uh, event down there. But that's not why I'm here today to talk about um, public transport. The event that we run um, on an annual basis is called Try Before You Ride. Uh, it's a fantastic event whereby we uh, make available various modes of transport or in fact all our modes of transport in a safe and static situation so that we allow for members of the community to come along and explore the different modes of transport in a in in a safe and static situation as i said uh, supported by our frontline staff members um 
we have been running it for approximately six years now. Unfortunately, like a, like many things over the last couple of years, it, it was uh, put on on hold um, for you know just to maintain the safety of the community. But uh, it came back this year, and unlike in uh, previous years, we held it out at Box Hill. Uh, station and tram stop. We actually held it at Southern Cross Station this year, which was the first time we'd ever held the Try Before You Ride event at Southern Cross, and it was a a fabulous success. I frequent Box Hill Station, so that's pretty cool. Um, These programs are very interesting, and I believe that they exist in other... The UK has been working on something like this as well, which is also very exciting. So with Try Before You Ride... um, what does it actually entail? If I were to show up to the program, what would I get to experience? Yeah. So uh, so the event itself is, uh, it, it was led this year by Metro Trains, V-Line, Yarra Trams, Kinetic Buses, uh, Traveller's Aid, and it was supported by Safety Transport Victoria and Department of Transport. We also had PTV hub staff on site, as well as staff from Safety Transport Victoria to talk to participants about the multi-purpose taxi program. So what you would experience is you, uh, when you turn up at the event, you're greeted by our uh, greeting staff at the uh, PTV desk, at the uh, welcoming desk. You provided information about the event and where the various modes are uh, situated. Uh, around the precinct. So the site this year, as I said, was Southern Cross Station. Uh, We utilised Platform 8 and 8 South, where we had a regional uh, V-Line train and a a metropolitan city train on on the platforms. We also had a V-Line accessible coach and a wheelchair accessible taxi in bus bays uh, around in uh, bus bay 64 to 66. And up at tram stop 125 at South Bank, we had a a Yarra Trams low floor tram and also had a Kinetic bus, one of their brand new electric buses, which was very exciting to have that uh, on site. Uh, Traveller's Aid also provided uh, a buggy service to help uh, customers who required some assistance to move between those sites. So uh, Traveller's Aid were on site as they have a permanent presence at Southern Cross, as some of your listeners may be aware, Uh, but they also ran an extra buggy service from Southern Cross down to the stop 125 at South Bank as well. Uh, The important part of the event is when uh, participants uh, are moving around the site and looking at and exploring the different modes of transport that they can explore the accessibility features of the modes of transport, explore the interiors, the allocated seating, the priority seating, um, practice manoeuvring uh, onto and, and off of the modes of transport and have a conversation with the frontline staff members, the drivers, the conductors, etc. So really, really um, valuable event for people to really build their confidence on using public transport in a non-life situation. That is the, the trains or the trams or the buses, they're not about to take off on you. So you don't have to rush to find a seat or, or find your allocated space. You can take your time and really um, yeah, become familiar and more confident with transport. That's a very interesting and very innovative program and that would be quite helpful for me. It would have been helpful if I when I started using public transport because often it's like the first time I do something, 
I'm freaking out, overwhelmed, I can't do it. But then when I am able to do it, like, you know, once or twice, it's like, it's second nature to me. It's like, first time I ever went praying myself, it was awful. I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know how to touch on, touch off, all that sort of stuff. But when I, I do it, it's the second nature to me now and everything. And it's, you know, it's quite easy. And, but I do often have to take different public transports, like, in a different country, it can be very stressful, you know. I don't think I've really taken V-Line that that often and you know, I often get lost you know, if I go to a new station and never been to it, it can be very confusing for me. So this is a really, really important program for people. I don't think people really understand how important this is to actually have in in your arsenal of programs that you could mm. use. Yeah, um, and we, we, we also uh, find that um, a number of uh, orientation mobility instructors or occupational therapists or, or support workers from different disability support organisations use this type of event to bring their clients or their members along and, and use it as their own training session as well. I think a lot of support workers often take their um, clients on you know, a train for the first time and then to get them used to being able to do it on their own. and. I think that's it's actually an important program, people, because not everyone has a support worker, and everyone who needs one often doesn't have one, which is quite upsetting. So these sort of programs are, for any people, the only option to actually have a chance to use public transport. Otherwise, they just won't be able to do it. And it's like not everyone has the luxury of parents or friends who can help them with these things, which is why I feel that you know train staff and tram staff just have to be trained with things like the sunflower scheme and all those sort of things. Otherwise, they just won't be able, we just won't be able to have disabled people being part of society and getting the most out of society if we didn't have, you know, these sort of programs. And yeah. I do feel that, you know, having it once a year is a bit of a problem because that might be the, the person's appointment. I think that these sort of programs should just be, you know, normalised and just almost sometimes even a weekly, even daily occurrence. For people who need them yeah we we, uh, we work closely with our operators to deliver these uh, events and the operators themselves actually have plans to run more of these events throughout the year and and at greater a greater number of locations um, so the Southern Cross event was a, a large event where we had all modes involved in that particularly uh, particular event however I know V-Line uh, are looking to run a number of these events at various regional locations and Metro and Yarra trams are also looking at different um, different ways that they can deliver smaller scale events but at various times throughout the year to make them more accessible for everyone. So in the future where do you think this program will go? Do you think there are plans to expand it or to expand even other states and you know countries? Are there plans to sort of make it more frequent or and that sort of thing in that sort of respect? Uh, we, we do plan to have more Try Before You Ride events throughout the year. Um, as I mentioned, uh, the, the event this year was held at Southern Cross Station. There are plans to hold more events uh, at various times throughout the year and at, at various locations um, run by and facilitated by our main operators. Um, we, we definitely get, uh, I guess, uh, looked upon by our uh, jurisdictional colleagues, so um, colleagues from other states, uh, they take a great deal of interest in what activities we're running in Victoria. I like to think that we're leading the way in a lot of the innovative programs and events that we run in this uh, fantastic state. 
So how would you um, deal with feedback and how do you, people who enjoy these programs or have ideas for them, have, you know, suggestions or feel that they want to be, you know, include the disabled community more in these programs? Um, how do you sort of, how do you sort of take feedback on and allow people to sort of be more communicative with yourself to make sure these programs are the best they can be? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, feedback is absolutely critical um, for the Department of Transport to deliver um, more accessible and inclusive services for everyone. Um, we do that in a couple of ways. So the, the, the main way I'd like to impress upon your listeners in terms of providing feedback more broadly on the services and uh, uh, infrastructure that we provide is uh, either through the PTV website is a great way of providing feedback and also through the PTV call centre, the 1800 800 007. That's the best and most effective way to provide feedback on a service that your listeners may have experienced. Um, and so they know what will happen when they do that. Um, the call centre, whether you uh, make your uh, provide your feedback either on the website or the call centre, through the call centre, uh, the, the person actioning that uh, piece of feedback will triage that. So depending on the urgency um, or nature of the inquiry or feedback, uh, that, that feedback will be triaged in such a way that the most appropriate person or agency or operator will be um, called upon to uh, respond to that particular query. But importantly, it's because it's going through that central point. We, we um, collect, um, I guess, information data, um, obviously de-identified data, but we collect data on the types of complaints and, and the com types of feedback that we're receiving for um, the services we provide. So that's really important for us to help prioritise work into the future, especially around accessibility and inclusion. In terms of feedback for the Try Before You Ride event, um, we um, provide um, uh, an opportunity for participants that have uh, taken part in the event to provide their feedback. And we really um, place a lot of weight on the feedback we receive from our participants so that we can make sure that we can uh, continually improve what we uh, deliver to the community through these really valuable events. Yeah, because you know, feedback is not always a bad thing. People can say, "Oh, I loved it. This was really excellent." Or this, everything was good except for this. So, feedback is something that is not always a negative thing. It can actually be positive, and it can tell you what you need to do more of and what you need to really put the focus on. Um, one question I have is that with a lot of these programs, is that um, whilst they might be good. Um, I think something that makes public transport hard for me is, you know, often things go wrong. There's cancellations sometimes. When you go to a station you're unfamiliar with, there often is not, you know, that much you can really do. Are there plans to make sure that all railway stations are made, you know, with attendants, with people who can guide you around, tell you where to go? And also when you leave a station, things can also get confusing. It's like, which road take me to where I want to go? And all these things just make um, the world just that one little bit more accessible for people. Are there any plans to sort of expand on maybe station attendance and people who are, you know, trained to communicate with people with speech difficulties. Mm. There's a fair bit in that question, Amy, but I'll uh, I'll give it my best shot. Um, in terms of, uh, it, so firstly, you mentioned about, you know, um, how disruptions can impact 
negatively on, on people that use the, the public transport network, particularly for vulnerable passengers, passengers with uh, disability or specific accessibility requirements. I know myself as someone who's totally blind, if I'm, uh, I, there are certain stations that I know like the back of my, like the back of my hand and uh, literally uh, navigate my way around those stations with my eyes shut. Um, however, if there is a disruption to my service and I, um, there might be a, a trespasser on the line, for example, and I have to alight a service at a station that I'm not familiar with, then that, th that, that really throws things uh, for me into a, a bit of disarray because obviously it's a station that I may not be familiar with. Um, so I become, and a lot of customers that use our network, when they strike that sort of situation, it, it can be a very anxious and, um, yeah, uh, I guess, nervous situation for them. Um, that's where the services and, and um, assistance provided by our frontline staff members really comes into its own. And our frontline staff members provide, uh, are provided with uh, ongoing um training around supporting customers, but particularly around custom, disability custom, awareness custom, training. Custom, custom, custom. Uh, they also prov um, are provided training on the communication access symbol. So that's training that specifically arms our frontline staff members with the ability to communicate with people who may be nonverbal as well. Um, we also run a program called Travelling in the Shoes of Others, um, like Try Before You Ride, it had been on hold for some time throughout the COVID period. However, um, we are bringing it back to our operators and delivery agencies in 2023. And that's a program where we provide frontline staff members um, a bit more of a, uh, I guess, a, a, a more of a, 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 vir a virtual experience of what it might be like to face some of the challenges on our network. And so uh, an example of that is where we, we have uh, our disability support agency. There is a program that PTV has called the Access Travel Pass, which is um, a marquee that is completely free. You don't have to top it up. You don't have to do any of those sort of things or worry about inspectors. Um, is there, this program is quite difficult to access for a lot of people and it's also not very well known. Are there any plans to expand this program? Because things like topping up, touching on can be very confusing for some people. And I think that these sort of programs can help make public transport just a little bit more accessible. Yeah, good question, Amy. Um, we, as I mentioned, at the Try Before You Ride event, we actually had our PTV um, uh, staff uh, hub staff on hand to answer questions around the various passes and concessions that we have available for our customers. Um, now, whilst they were available on the day, they are actually available on an ongoing basis at our PTV hub office. So for those who have an opportunity of accessing um, the hub office at Southern Cross, um, you can walk in um, or, or make your way into that hub office and uh, the PTV hub staff there can definitely support you in finding out all sorts of information about the various passes that might be available to you. That can also be done over the phone by calling 1-800-800-007 or via our website. And there's a lot of information on our website about the various passes that are available or may be available to different customers. Um, you're right though, there are a, a number of different passes depending on your uh, accessibility requirements. So I, I would 
really encourage your listeners to jump onto the website or or better still have a conversation with one of our ptv customer service members either in person or over the phone or via the website uh, to explore what passes might be uh, best suited for their needs my key inspectors or as they're referred to as authorised officers are becoming way more frequent on public transport. They frequently target lower socioeconomic areas and areas frequented by disabled people. I've had them physically touch me in the past, tell me that my disability is not real and just go through my wallet trying to find concession cards. The fine system is also very unfair, it can be financially devastating, especially since the concession card system can be very hard to navigate for some people. And these fines are upward of 200 sometimes, so that was $200 which can be literally someone's entire money for a week. Um, and a lot of, you know, often when you talk about this to people, they often just say, you know, you should be more careful and you should just earn more money. And that's just ableist and classes and proves that, you know, privilege is a very real problem in our daily lives. Um, and these fines often target people who make a simple mistake. Um, are there any ways to sort of, you know, or plenty plans to sort of change this fine system or make it more accessible for people who are disabled and instead just target people who can afford to pay and just choose not to? Mm. Um, firstly, Imi, I'd like to say um, it's quite distressing the uh, your uh, account of your experience um, with compliance officers in the past. Um, and I guess I'd like to take the opportunity to encourage all your listeners um, if you happen to experience anything even mildly similar to what Emmy just uh, um, recounted in terms of being, you know, touched by staff or a staff member grabbing your, your wallet and going through your wallet, I mean, that's totally uh, unacceptable. Um, and that type of uh, instant incident needs to be reported. Um, and once again, I'd encourage your listeners to call that through to, um, it, it can be done either through the website or through the 1-800-800-007 number. Um, and when you are reporting an incident, something similar to, to that, um, what would be useful is any information that would help those who will be investigating the matter and uh, to try and narrow down, you know, precisely the staff member that might have been involved, and and information that would be helpful is the time the incident occurred, uh, location. If you know what your exact location is, that's fa fabulous. Um, if you don't, you know, the the uh, the service you're on, so where it was going from and to, uh, and and if you let us know the time it occurred, then that helps us certainly pin it down to what staff members might might have been involved in that incident. We also have CCTV uh, footage or coverage on many of our trains and at many of our stations. So once we've got that locational and time information, we can then sort of um, use CCTV footage and sometimes even uh, audio um, recordings. So. Um, that's really important that we you do report things like that so we can investigate and we can uh, take appropriate action against um, staff members who might um, be acting in that way. So I'm, I'm really um, sorry that that happened to you, Amy. Um In terms of compliance officers, though, and, and the staff that are responsible for, for checking that, that people, in fact, do have a valid ticket or, or pass, um, the way that our network operates is, is it's a fair base system. Um, aside from those who have passes where a, a payment is not required, uh, and the revenue from that fare is is really important to and goes towards us delivering 
the transport service that is required by all Victorians. So uh, it is important that we do uh, ensure that people pay um, to use the service, uh, except of course, where they have a pass where that is not required. Um, the Sunflower program, you mentioned it earlier, Emmy, and I'm really pleased to say that uh, Yarra Trams launched their accessible action plan just about oh, three weeks ago. And one of the action items that they have uh, committed to deliver on is the rollout of the Sunflower program. Um, really important program. And for those listeners who haven't uh, come across the Sunflower program previously, it's, it's a, a lanyard-based program whereby people with disability uh, or some sort of um, health condition, accessibility requirement, and it's, uh, I, I think, particularly useful for people who have a non-visible um, health condition or disability, that they're able to identify themselves by using either a lanyard uh, that they could be wearing around their neck, or in fact, they could ha have it discreetly in their pocket and only pull it out when, when they need to or when they'd like to. Um, but what happens is frontline staff members are trained to spot the sunflower lanyard and and then they are uh, trained in, a, in such a way that they're able to offer a greater level of assistance to that uh, customer. Um, so, yeah, as I said, Yarra Trams are rolling that out and I do know that a number of our other operators are in the process of, of exploring how they will roll that out. Um, so ultimately we'll have it um, rolled out across the entire transport network, which is fabulous and, and a, a great support for those people who need that extra level of assistance. Um, the ones at uni, have, they've run out of them. So we have to get new ones imported from the UK. They've So we actually don't have, they've all, people have all taken them. So I've got one. I didn't bring it, unfortunately, today. But yeah, I've got, you know, they're often, they're, so they're always at RMIT in the University of Melbourne, but they're never, I've never, I've seen them at Monash once. Maybe because we've been scaring them away, but I don't know what's going on there. They're never at Monash. Oh, now you're going to bring them here. Great. But yeah, um, I do think, you know, with the sunflower lanyards, things like ticket inspectors, um, you know, are they going to really, you know, it is a bit of a worry personally you know it is really stressful to have to you know you know especially like, like when you're on the tram and like you just missed out by like a dollar it's just like it's just really really scary and everything with the micing inspectors they are really intimidating and it's just it just think you know there has to be like a better system uh, you know what is in germany where if you don't pay you they, they just say oh here you can just buy the ticket now it's just a much more fair system that just is more inclusive of people who are disabled and yes the fares in germany um if you pay on the train are about ten dollars or twenty dollars more but that is absolutely nothing compared to the 200 dollar fines that are just financially decimating and I, i'm going to say that the inspectors definitely do have a bias towards people who appear that they will be poorer and a lot of you know a lot of companies actually pay for you to have an annual Mikey pass. You don't even have to touch on or touch off. You know, just touch it on. It's like it's they pay for you to have a Mikey pass. I just think that you know systems like that. If there are companies that can pay, I just think that you know tax them and put that money back into making these sort of things more accessible to people. But no, that is you know that is something you've got to take up with the with the government. Mm. 
Yeah, sort of I guess really I'd just, um, just on that point, I, I'd just really echo my earlier point of, for your listeners that do experience any sort of um, poor, poor behaviour or, or inappropriate behaviour from our frontline, any staff, any frontline staff member, to please report that through with, uh, you know, enough information that we're able to identify the, uh, the staff member. Um, with trains being such a, you know, public transport being such a massive thing in the disabled community, a lot of autistic people, it's actually become a symbol of autism trains just as a symbol. Are there any plans to sort of make um, even working for um, train companies or, you know, special events for people who just love trains to sort of, you know, learn about, you know, visit sort of offices or visit sort of the maintenance areas? Are there any plans to have events like that in the future? Yeah, in terms of employment, I think it's um, it's not just myself. I, I think it's really important, but the, the VPS, uh, the Victorian Public Service, recognises the importance of employing uh, staff who are representative of the community. And so it's really important that we employ uh, people from all types of backgrounds, including people with disability. Uh, we have a, a Victorian employee, uh, sorry, a youth employment service or scheme. And uh, that's a fantastic uh, scheme that allows for um, youths of, um, from various backgrounds, um, vulnerable backgrounds to uh, gain employment through uh, in the Victorian Public Service. We also have a graduate program at Department of Transport. So a couple of opportunities there for people with disability to enter the public service. Um, and yeah, I would, it's certainly a move I made. I was uh, an advocate um, for accessibility external to the government. And then when I saw an opportunity to join the Department of Travel, back then it was Public Transport Victoria, now Department of Transport, I jumped at the opportunity because I saw it as my opportunity to do a lot of the advocacy work to improve the accessibility of the transport network that I was doing externally. I saw it as an amazing opportunity for me to do a similar thing, but actually from the inside. Um, so I now have an opportunity. Um, so I'm the Director of Transport Accessibility and Inclusion within Department of Transport. And I see in that position that I have an amazing opportunity to, um, to influence positive change around the accessibility of our transport network. Um, so I definitely encourage your, your listeners to um, Google uh, the, the YES program, the Youth Employment Service, and also the graduate programs that are available for the VPS. But also we have a committee called the Accessible Transport Advisory Committee. That's a committee that comprises of people with lived experience of disability. It's a ministerial appointed committee and it currently is made up of six members and one chair. And it has a rolling membership that is uh, we don't lose all members all at once. We we have uh, we either refresh either three or four members at a time uh, on a uh, annual basis, and uh, we will have recruitment in early 2023. So I'd also encourage your listeners to look out for um, an opportunity to apply for the ATAC, the Accessible Transport Advisory Committee, because um, we'd really love to have some. Uh, uh, people representing youth on, on that committee also. And I know a lot of people who have worked with Metro trains who have autism and I say it's a really great place to work. I have never worked in the train industry but I've done a bit of work with Steamrail who you might have heard of that does steam train. They do stream, steam train tours around Melbourne and Victoria and they've got a long history of you know allowing people with autism who love trains to just sort of 
follow their dreams and to sort of work with trains but it's an entirely volunteer-run organization and it's just a bunch of hobbyists who just love steam trains it's really fun yeah and i guess one of the biggest the biggest thing that struck me when i joined ptv um nearly five years ago now it was the amount of passion uh from within so staff members how how passionate they are around delivering excellent customer service but also an accessible uh transport network for everyone so there's there's a uh, there's a high degree of passion and uh, determination to improve our network for everyone i think one thing with accessibility is that there are so many bases you just have to cover um you just have to make you know have to be like you know accessible for mobility issues but then also speech issues things like having things in braille having things with sign language and sort of people who have speech impediments you have to sort of cover every single base and there really is no end to it and I think that that is one thing that people have to take in it's all about feedback and what people need and what people want you just can't you just can't always be perfect because things always change and things always come up it's just about making it the best it can be and really putting everything have into making it the best it can be yeah I agree accessibility definitely means different things for different people um, we come across that quite regularly. Um, we are hoping that there's there's currently some uh, Commonwealth and Queensland-led reform work on the disability standards for accessible public transport. And we are hoping that through that reform work, there'll be some, um, perhaps some focus on uh, reporting of accessibility and in that work, perhaps uh, some greater definitions around accessibility. But to, to, to your point around there being you know, such a broad range of access, accessible requirements across the community, that 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 really highlights the need to uh, consult really broadly when you are developing, whether it's a, a new station or a new new train. And and I guess the perfect example is uh, that I'm thinking of is the high capacity metro train. And when we developed that train, the amount of consultation that was entered into uh, when we were developing that train. Um, in the end, there were 114 pieces of feedback that were actually that actually led to change in that in the, the what was ultimately delivered to the Victorian public, and uh, obviously one of the most accessible trains to hit our tracks. They're really amazing. My only complaint is you didn't use the classic Connex fabric. That is no, that's not okay. But they are so nice. Um, they really are nice. I really love them because they have the thing that comes up, you know, that they've done voice, you know, and they also have it written there and they also quite, you know, they put, uh, I love how you've also got the new, um, the new television boards on every station now where, which they have, um, with all the trains listed, that's much easier than sort of playing guesswork of when the next train is going to arrive as well. Um, when the whole, when they were doing the level crossing removal, one complaint is that that did become a bit of a mess but I sort of understand how that could cause a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah it's certainly a, a huge program of work at the moment. We have uh, a program of work to the tune of $90 billion. And that's obviously, there's a lot of level crossing removal work in there. There is the delivery of new accessible low floor trams. There's a new train, uh, Extrapolis 2.0, that is being uh, developed at the moment. Um, station upgrades right across the network, new bus stops, new tram stops. So 
there is an enormous amount of work going on at the moment and hence my my earlier point of the need for us to cons consult broadly to make sure that what we do deliver is accessible and inclusive for everyone. That's as much as we have for our interview today. Thank you so much for um, being on um, Razor Platform. It's been a really wonderful experience interviewing you. And this has been Imi for Razor Platform interviewing.